This is Pastor Derek Thomas of Living Witness Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Living Word Podcast. I pray that today's teaching blesses you, inspires you, and encourages you to live a life worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we serve. God bless.
For it overwhelms and satisfies my soul yeah. And I never ever have to be afraid One thing remains One thing remains Let me hear you sing Your love never fails Never gives up, never runs out on me. Your today is found in 2nd Corinthians the 5th chapter verses 1 through 7 what you find written there reads as follows for we know that if our earthly house this tent is destroyed we have a building from God a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven if indeed having been clothed we shall not be found naked for we who are in this tent groan being burdened not because we want to be unclothed but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life now he who has prepared us for this very thing is god who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee so we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body we are absent from the lord for we walk by faith and not by sight our message today is get to stepping Amen. Get to stepping. Now, in the 90s, one of the most popular comedies on television was Martin. The show centered around a main character played by comedian Martin Lawrence that was destined to marry the love of his life named Gina. Along the road to the altar, a host of situations would occur between them that would send them many different directions as a couple, even their own separate ways for a season, before ultimately bringing them together as husband and wife. Now, one of the highlights of the show was when Martin would tell individuals that were sharing information with him that he had no intention of entertaining, much less listening to, to get to stepping. 
Now, in that moment in the episode, the person giving the directive knew that no matter how good his proposition sounded, Martin was fully persuaded that his way was the way to go. Now, in our text today, church, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church at a point of collective decision in their existence. They were faced with the increasing temptation of allowing the beliefs that they have to divide them. And it's in this environment that Paul reminds them that their purpose is much greater than the tests and trials of life here on earth and culminates in Paul's admonition to the church that they walk by faith and not by sight. Today, we too are bombarded with a host of options that are far more attractive and appealing to his to our senses than our salvation. Yet our text today is calling us to take Martin's advice and get to stepping into God's will for our lives by faith. We're in the midst of our series, Just Live by Faith, and, and as things come our way, the enemy would love nothing more than for us to just give up and say, what's the point? Why even bother? What's the, what's, the, what's the reason for going on this journey? What's the reason, Pastor, of even accepting this challenge of, of living by faith? You don't know my story. You don't know the, challenge and the uh, challenges and the trials and the tests that I'm facing. I'm here to let you know today that I know two things. Number one, I know that you're correct. I don't know your talents and and, and and challenges and tests that you've gone through and I don't know your story but more importantly number two I do know of a savior that loves you just the way you are and that's willing to meet you just where you are and bring you to where he desires you to be and all he asks of you is to be willing to take that first step and let him be God in your life the message today is a clarion call to us to live life to please God and not ourselves. Amen. We have to live our lives in a way so that God is glorified. We have to live our lives in a way so that God is pleased. And we know that if we aspire to do these things in and of ourselves, we're going to fail. We're going to fail at every single turn. The Bible lets us know that our efforts at their very best in God's eyes are nothing more than filthy rags. But God has a definite scenario in which we win. One of my favorite movies is The Avengers. And the Avengers in Infinity War. And in Infinity War, Doctor Strange is sitting in a state of meditation. And when Iron Man comes over to him, he shakes him out of the state of meditation. And he asks him, what are you looking at? And he said, I was looking at the different scenarios that we have that we face with Thanos. And he asked, how many different scenarios did you look at? And he said, over 14 million. And then he asked him, how many of them do we come out in the win as the winner? And he learned, looked at Tony and said, one. All we need is one shot, one shot and one opportunity to be all that God has called us to be. One shot and one opportunity to let God be God. One shot and one opportunity to get the stepping in the direction that God has us to go. And if we go that direction, victory is imminent and victory is ours. Amen. So you may say, Pastor, why would I want to live my life to please God? Why would, I, why would God even want to have me to even represent him? I'm glad you asked that question. I have three reasons why. The first reason why is because walking by faith isn't comfortable, but it's critical, church. Amen. It's not comfortable. It's not designed to be comfortable. It's not intended to be a flowery bed of ease, but it's critical for us to be all that God has called us to be in this season and in this hour. Look at what it says in verses one through five. It's so important that the majority of our text today is committed to laying the framework and the foundation for us to understand just how critical it is. It says here, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this we groan 
earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we are in this tent, for we, we who are in this tent, excuse me, groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Now in our text here, Paul is making no bones to the church at Corinth about the reality of the tests and trials associated with life. He lets them know that many times a longing as followers of Christ to be with the Savior in heaven outweighs the reality of being here in the turmoil and chaos of the earth. It bears noting here, church, that this church was in existence in a time where upheaval was the order of the day and a new world order was in the process of being established as a result of the resurrection of Christ. It called for the members of the church to make the decision of whether they desired their lives in ministry to be lives of comfort or lives of impact. God is calling us to make a deep impact in New York Today Church. He's calling us to not live our lives to just be here. He's not calling us to go along just to get along. He's calling us to be, as the word declares, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's calling us to stand up as we talked about last week. He's calling us to just live by faith as we talked about in week one of this series. This week, he's calling us to, to get to stepping in the direction that he has for us to go. He's, he's like, I've heard you talk a good game, but now I need you to make the conscious choice and decision to realize and understand that life as you know it is over. Life as you know it no longer exists, but it's critical that you walk by faith so that you can withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. The enemy would love nothing more for us to just sit on our laurels and say, I've had enough, I give up, I quit. To put the towel over your head like they do in the NBA when your indict is done. But I'm here to let you know that the devil is a lie. He's called you to do more. He's called you to do more than this. He's called you to step out in faith. He's called you to step into your calling. He's called you to step into those things that you don't understand. He's called you to do it scared, not for your glory, but for his. Now, in the same way, God is calling us in this unprecedented time to make the conscious decision to make an impact in life by walking by faith and believing his will over selecting the comfort of satisfying our flesh. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and say, you know what, that sounds good. Pastor, that sounds great. Preacher, that sounds fantastic. Evangelist, you go ahead and help yourself. Apostle, plant those buildings. Uh, uh, teachers, teach the word. But God is calling each and every one of us to go out and stir up the gifts that he's placed in us. And he's calling us not to do it in fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us one of power, of love, and of a sound mind. But to make the image impact that he's calling us to make, we've got to get out of this flesh church. We've got to get out of this body, this, this thing that, that our scripture says we're clothed in right now, that death is lurking all around. And we've got to realize that God has something greater for us to do. Now, in making the decision to live a life of impact, we have to understand that our comfort, our peace, and even our very existence could be at stake. 
Yet we must also understand that the risk we take for Christ is guaranteed by the reward of eternal life as a result of our faithfulness. One thing I look for whenever I'm making a purchase, especially a major purchase, is a guarantee. When I look for when I look to make a purchase of a, of, of a car, I'm looking for a bumper to bumper warranty. I want a guarantee that if something goes wrong, I'm covered. A guarantee gives you a new level of boldness, a new level of, of realizing that no matter what comes my way, I'm covered. Romans 8 and 18 speaks about the guarantee that God gives to us in times like these. He wants us to make the hard choices. He wants us to put the big boy pants on in the spirit. He wants us to go out and do the work that he's called us to do in ministry. He wants us to make disciples. When you make something of quality, none of the components are there already made, but you take the components and put the work in to bring them together, to meld them together so that something even greater comes out of those great components. Look at what it says here in Romans 8 and 18. It says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. He's letting us know that, that we're going to go through some things. We're going to suffer in the here and now, but the suffering in the here and now is an investment. It's the spiritual sweat equity that God desires us to pour into this life of ministry. It's the spiritual sweat equity that God desires us to pour in every prayer that we pray. It's a spiritual sweat equity that God desires us to pour into every relationship or fellowship that we establish, every opportunity to evangelize that we go into, even every trial and test that we, we face. That spiritual sweat equity is a suffering that God calls us to because the Bible says in order to, to reign with him, we have to suffer with him. If we suffer, then we can reign. It's an if-then proposition. It's not a matter of works. It's a matter of condition. We have to meet the condition. And the condition is helping us see that our lives are not spent to do what we desire to do. Our lives are, an, are, are designed to be invested into the work of the kingdom so that we gain a return on our investment, church. The return on our investment is the glory that 8 and 18 speaks about. The glory which shall be revealed in us. The reflection of God that's in us. The reflection of God that he desires to project of himself upon our lives. Our lives have to become nothing so that he can become everything. And as we allow him to become everything, that's when we're comfortable being nothing. Therefore, we have to remember, church, that by walking by faith, that walking by faith rather is critical to make it through the times of trial in our lives. And we have to step up our efforts in doing so. We can't just sit idly by and say, preacher, that sounds good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get to that tomorrow. This, there's no time for us to put this on the list. My, I have a honey-do list at home that I told my wife I want to make sure that I get through every day. And it's important to me to check off the boxes as I'm doing these things. Because as I check off the boxes, for me, it's more than just checking off the boxes. For me, it's a way for me to take spiritual inventory to see if I indeed have the heart and the drive and the commitment necessary to get the work done that needs to be done. Some of the work that's on the list is going to be challenging for me as the bigger projects come up because there are some things I haven't done in a while and a couple of things I've never done before. But I'm going to step out in faith and believe that it can be done, knowing that while it's not comfortable, it's critical that I do this. It's critical because everything that I do is designed to lift up my Lord. Everything that I do, I'm doing before an audience, not only of one, not only of 10,000 with the legions that are there, but a world world is watching and I never know when someone's watching 
and someone's able to see me and read my lips when I'm saying in the midst of a circumstance that I don't know how to do. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That may be the impetus that someone needs to go ahead and give it a shot. For some people, it might be that last shot. Give it that last shot in some instances, that shot that God is looking for so that we can make a difference in the earth. We can change a life. We can change a destiny. We can change the, tra the trajectory of the way that someone is going in such a fashion so that their lives will never be the same, never be the same and be a testimony to God so that others might come to know him through them but it goes deeper than that church not only must we walk by faith understanding that it's not comfortable but critical but secondly we have to walk by faith knowing that it takes baby steps to make the God kind of progress amen Look at what it says in verse 6 in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, so we are always confident, knowing that while we were at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Amen. Now, in our text here, Paul is teaching the church of Corinth a valuable lesson concerning perspective. He equates life's journey here, church, with being separated from a loving parent. Now, it's human nature to long to be with the people that we love. Yet at times, our human nature must be overridden by situational prudence that's designed to bring about a greater positive effect. Here, Paul was encouraging the church to not bound into the work of ministry with great strides, with the intent of returning to a life of comfort with their families and loved ones, but instead to be prudent and take baby steps which are ordered by the Lord with the realization that these steps being taken by them in faith apart from the things that they love here in the earth, will pay eternal dividends as it draws them closer to their Heavenly Father who longs for them to come home. There's nothing more rewarding than to see our children take baby steps because we know two things. We know that those baby steps are showing that they're growing and developing, but more so we understand and anticipate that those baby steps are going to turn into more giant steps and those giant steps are going to turn into running and that running is going to turn into sprinting and that sprinting is going to turn into them being able to do as the word declares exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think because of the power that's at work in them we want to take the same approach in the spirit realm god didn't call us in ministry to leap out and go by leaps and bounds and say hey look at me because when we go out and say hey look at me God is not in it because it's not about him. God desires to be the center of everything. Our God, whether you know it or not, is indeed a jealous God, but not a jealous God in a bad way and not a jealous God in a negative way. A jealous God because he wants us to be a reflection of him so that as a proud father, he can say, look at my sons, look at my daughters, look at how they reflect me, not for my glory, but look at the life lessons I put in them. Look at the value system that's in them. Look at how they're a blessing to us. Others. Look at how they're leading others to me because I love my children. I love my creation. And all, all I want is what's best for each and every one of them. Every parent wants their child to excel beyond them. 
But so often what we do is we take the crabs in a barrel mindset and try to pull one another down, thinking as we pull one another down, that's going to lift us up. But God is letting us know that in doing that, that's the strides that we're taking, as Paul said to the church of Corinth, that brings about the division. Paul is saying, this is why you're in the predicament that you're in. Deacon over here is trying to outdo steward over here. Usher over here is trying to outdo missionary over there. Pastor over here is trying to outdo bishop over here. Apostles trying to outdo everybody, including Jesus. And God is not being glorified. When God is letting us know that we have to take the sentiment of the hymn writer to heart when we say, as they pen, the charge to keep, I have a God to glorify. It's not about us, church. It's about God and doing his will. It's not about us getting the glory, but it's about God getting the glory. Now, like the Corinthians, we too are on a journey in life and it calls us away from our country and our kindred and it leads us to the land that ultimately God will show us. We're on a journey just like Abram was in Genesis. Now, while at times the sacrifices seem greater than we can bear, we have to realize that success can and will be achieved, church, as long as we allow God to order our steps in his word rather than run ahead of him for the sake of expediency. This is a journey that is not about the destination, church. It's about the journey. When you go on a road trip, it's not about how fast you get there. It's about enjoying the journey. It's about taking the time to take in the sights, take in the wonderment of God's goodness. Take a look at the animals. Take a stop by a creek. Take inventory of things that you might miss in the hustle and bustle of life. Because catch this, you're not on man's time. Because man's time is predicated upon what man can get done. When you're on God's time, God's time and economy of scale is a whole different dimension of man's time and economy of scale. God put it this way. With God, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years, which means God desires us to take his time, not take our time, church. Notice I said take his time, because when we take his time, we have to slow down. Because God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts, which means God's economy of scale as it pertains to time is not our economy of scale as it pertains to time. But God is always right on time. So we have to understand that God is our loving father and desires nothing more than for us to be in his presence once again. However, we must not get sidetracked by the shortcuts of the enemy, but instead stay the course. And know that in all things, we are more than conquerors through him because he loves us. Amen. Look at what it says in Proverbs 16 and 9. It says here, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We need to understand and take this scripture to heart and realize that no matter what we do, we can lay all the grand plans that we desire to lay. We can have flow charts and graphs and PowerPoint presentations and have testimonial letter after testimonial letter. But unless and until the Lord establishes that thing out and meets those steps out, we ain't going nowhere. And God desires us to understand that no matter how much we plan, he is the master builder and he is the one that gives us the okay to go and do what it is that he's called us to do.
So we must allow the Lord to order our steps and reject the plans of the enemy by falling in lockstep with his cadence. Amen. Again, we've got to do like Martin said. The enemy comes to us with all this mayhem, all us with all this confusion. You should be over there by now. You should be telling the pastor what to do. You should be letting the apostle know thus and so the devil is alive. God's not told me to do it. I'm going to tell the devil like Martin said, devil, you need to get to stepping. Get to stepping with that nonsense because the Bible lets me know that in, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. The Bible lets me know that the steps of this good man are ordered by the Lord and I'm going to delight in God's way. Devil, I ain't got time for that foolishness because I'm fully persuaded that neither height nor depth nor things present nor things to come nor any principality or anything is going to separate me from the love of God which is housed in Christ Jesus. So devil, not today and not any day, you need to get to step in with that mess. Amen. Which leads us to our last point. Lastly, we must understand that walking by faith is worship. And I'm here to let you know, church, it's so worth it. Amen. Walking by faith is worship and it's so, so worth it. Look at what it says in Corinthians 5 and 7. This is the magnitude to which it's worth it. It says in verse 7, our, our root verse here in this passage as we end the, in our time together today. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Now, in our text here, Paul lastly deals with the importance of faith as it pertains to worship. Now, you might say, Pastor, I have, you just lost me right there. Faith and worship are related? Yes, faith and worship are not only related, they're interrelated, and it's critical to understand that you can't effectively do one without understanding and exercising the other. Amen. Paul reveals to the church the genius of Christ's love in this verse and in his discourse in that while it was a driving force behind his crucifixion and resurrection, it being love. Catch this church. Faith was the key to Christ executing God's plan. While love was the passion that gave him the unction to do it, faith was the strategy that was drawn out by God. Faith was a move on the chessboards of eternal life that gave us the victory by putting the devil in an eternal state of checkmate. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the strategizing that's going on in the war room between the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost in our lives right now. Faith is helping us understand how we, as Dr. King said, can take the first step when we don't even see a staircase. Faith is a realization that even if I don't understand why I'm saying what I'm saying, why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm thinking what I'm thinking, I'm going to say, do, or think what it is that I'm given to say, to and say, do, and think because I understand that it's not from me. It's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts that is going forward. God's plan is for us to understand the correlation between faith and worship. And Paul shows the church that faith is an act of worship and moves the heart of God to act on their behalf in ways that their minds couldn't even begin to comprehend. And as a result of that, Paul rallied them to lay aside the beliefs that divided them 
and embrace the saving grace and love of Christ that unites them to win souls for the kingdom. The enemy would love nothing more to keep us wallowed in the nonsense of this church is bigger than that church and my pastor is better than your pastor and my choir is better than your choir and my, my evangelism team has won more souls than your evangelism team. It's not given to us to be in a contest for that. It's given to us to understand that we've got to run our race with patience looking unto Jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith. We've got to understand that all of us us are doing the same speed and that's 100 aspiring to stay at 100% in all that we do understanding and knowing that God doesn't want 99 and a half from us but God wants us to give our all at all times in everything that we do that he might be glorified and because that our faith should become an act of worship and be intentionally purposed church to reject the way of the enemy and lift up the name of Jesus so that others might come to know him intentionally purposed faith is something that's intentional it's not by mistake oops you know what I exercised my faith and look that happened we do something intentionally when you go to the gym to work out or now with all this happening when you make up your mind to work out at home there are going to be all kinds of distractions I know for me when I make my mind up to exercise at home I have all kinds of things distracting me I have work going on at my desk in my workspace and all these things are in my in, in my bedroom I have my bed just calling me because usually when I want to do it I've allowed the rigors of the day to keep me from doing what it is that God is tugging at my spirit on the inside to do because it's designed to better me but deep down I know in order to for me to get around to doing that it's going to cause me some pain it's going to cause me some discomfort it's going to cause me to sweat it's something that's not going to make me feel good in that instant it's something that's going to be difficult for me to do it's something that I might fail at a time or two it's something that I have to partner with and realize that this is something that I'm adjoining myself to that as long as we work together me and me with the passion to do it and it with the with the challenge that's presenting to make me better is going to make me better and put me in a better position and place it's called a relationship I have to develop that relationship with working out develop that relationship with exercising understanding and knowing that as I intentionally purpose myself to put myself through the paces of being uncomfortable to put myself through the paces of being challenged to put myself through the paces of even failing sometimes on the other side of all that work is going to be the gains that people can look at and say pastor you look fantastic you're getting bigger are you working out the answer is a resounding yes because that now gives me an opportunity catch this to testify about the work that's happening as a result of what's being done. God desires us to do the same thing in the spirit that as we walk by faith and intentionally purpose ourselves to prayer, intentionally purpose ourselves to aspire towards things bigger than our minds could even imagine and understand that we have the capacity to do. God can then move in that. Our, that's because it's worship, God can move in that and his heart is moved to act on our behalf. And when God's heart is moved to act on our behalf, as we intentionally purpose to reject the way of the enemy, he begins to move in ways that eyes haven't seen, that ears haven't heard, and that hearts haven't even fathomed yet. Amen.
God steps in and does things like my cousin used to sing. He specializes in things that seem impossible and he can and will do what no other power. And she puts in that Holy Ghost power because she understands that the faith is what activates God to move. And when God moves because Christ has already done what he needs to do and he's sitting down, his movement is sending the Holy Spirit to step into our situation and move through our spirit to bring about the miraculous. He can do what no other power, no other Holy Ghost power can do. God specializes in the impossible. He's like, give me the things that nobody else can do. Give me the stuff that everybody's written off. Give me the challenges that nobody else wants to undertake. Give me the equations that nobody else can solve. And if you have the faith to allow me to move through you, if you have the faith to open your mouth when I tell you to open your mouth, if you have the faith to lift your hand when I tell you to lift your hand, if you have the faith to take that step, when I tell you to take that step, I'm here to let you know that I'll use you in a way that the world has never even seen before. And not only in a way that my son did it, but in a way that's even more than what he did from the standpoint of magnitude in the order of the day. Not to minimize what Christ did because the opportunity to be used by God wouldn't have even been presented had Christ not died on the cross for us. And this is what it's all about, church. This is all about leading souls to Christ. This is all about winning souls for the kingdom. This is warfare that we're in, whether you believe it or not. And the war is ours to win. And the strategy that we must use, like the doctor said in, in Infinity War, there's only one strategy. And that's walking by faith and not by sight. John 14, 12 puts it this way. Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. And catch this. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. In other words, the works aren't going to stop because, because I leave. I'm leaving the mantle. I'm leaving you the blueprint. I am the blueprint. And I'm going to prepare a place for you because, because I'm the blueprint. I've got to go back because I'm the missing piece of the blueprint that the father needs to finish building your mansions but i've left you the blueprint here on earth on what needs to be done to get you qualified and ready to punch your ticket out of here to get to your mansion and that's walking by faith and not by sight this is why we must get to stepping in our purpose church we got to get to stepping and be about our father's business amen we don't have time to dilly dally and play there was a point in time i would say in the invitation that the next seven days are not promised to you. That shortened to the next 24 hours aren't promised to you. That morphed into the next five minutes aren't promised to you. To where I stand now, the next instant isn't promised to you. When you can turn on the TV and see and hear in real time lives being lost and the world changing before our eyes. We're in unprecedented times with accelerated response times and God desires to do a quick and mighty right now work in the earth today. And as I close, I close with John 9 and 4. This is the admonition that I leave with you. It says I, I wanna plug in we there. We must work the works of him that sent us while it's still day. Because the night comes when no man can work. It's time for us to get the step in church. It's time for us to exercise our faith. The time for playing around in the gym that is life and ministry is over.
The time for us for dilly-dallying and doing the work that God has given us to do in ministry is over. The time for us half-heartedly and, and lukewarmly serving God is over. The time for us having a casual relationship with Christ is over. It's time for us to tell the devil, devil, it's time for you to get to stepping. It's time for you to get the stepping out of my life, get the stepping out of my relationships, get the stepping out of my finances, get the stepping out of my ministry, get the stepping out of my home, get the stepping off my job, get the stepping out of everything that God has promised to me. Because my Bible tells me that light and darkness cannot dwell in the same place. And you have no right and no access to anything that God has given to me. And because you have no access and right to anything that God has given to me, I declare and decree victory from this point forward and forevermore. And that's the same declaration that I declare over each and every one of you. Get to step in church and watch how God moves in your life. Amen. I pray that you were blessed by today's word. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. If you've never taken the opportunity to do either one of those things, won't you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die that I might live. I believe that he lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for sinners just like me. I confess my sin, I ask you into my heart, and I ask you into my life. Thank you, Lord, that by faith I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you into the household of faith and into a loving relationship of salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please email me and let me know of your experience or if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please email me. The email address is livingtowitness at gmail.com. That's living, the number two, witness at gmail.com. Until next time. This is Pastor Derek Thomas, encouraging you to live your life as a living witness.